You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. I don't even know how you begin to take uh, the events of this past week and really even begin to uh, make much sense of any of it. Um, I think all of us kind of were kind of stepping into a new year and, uh, you know, hoping for a lot of good things. And I think there will be a lot of good things, but it really didn't take long into uh, the new year uh, before some things kind of got a little chaotic. Um, but again, I feel that there's just, you know, that, that struggle of, of how to make sense of it, how to put that in proper perspective, you know, how to absorb that without feeling, you know, some kind of paralysis um, about life as you're trying to move forward uh, in the midst of, of all of that. And I don't want to go into, into the details, the nitty-gritty uh, of all of what happened this past week, particularly in Washington, D.C., because I don't really think anybody really fully knows or understands what all is underneath that. I think there's a lot of things that are bubbling and brewing underneath uh, what we saw transpire there in Washington, D.C., and hopefully time will kind of help us kind of sort some of that out. However, I feel like the challenge probably for me, and I would assume pastors all across uh, this country, is we cannot ignore, we can't pretend that what has happened these past 10 months, uh, these, you know, last couple of Days, this past week, what's happening uh, in this country is insignificant because it isn't. We are living in unprecedented times. And I believe we're going to continually see things dramatically shift and shake throughout 2021. And I say that knowing our God is our only hope and strength. He is our confidence, and he is faithful to see us through to the other side to victory, whatever that may look like. Now, whatever happens going forward, I'm convinced that the church is going to have to pull together. We are going to have to come together as a body in ways we never have had to before in order to endure the storms that may be coming. Now, I want to encourage you, especially if you were not here last Sunday, uh, get on our website, get on our sermon link there, and listen to Pastor Bruce's excellent message from last Sunday because he really kind of talks about the importance of taking our place, recognizing our unique gifts and comp contributions to the body of Christ and how we begin to take that uh, and, and allow God to work his plans and purposes in the whole body of which you and I are a part uh, of. So uh, I, I just encourage you uh, to get on there and to listen to his sermon. Now I read an, an article earlier Thursday morning, which I kind of thought put some things in, in, in a pretty good kind of a proper perspective it was entitled, What If What We Saw Yesterday or Wednesday at the Capitol Is Us? 
Let me just share a few salient points. And I see people shaking their heads at me. This is not a time to react. It's a time to absorb. Absorb. Quoting Chuck Colson, John Stone Street writes, people who cannot restrain their own baser instincts, who cannot treat one another with civility, are not capable of self-government. Without virtue, a society can be ruled only by fear. A truth that tyrants understand all too well. End quote. He goes on and he says, when President-elect Biden said that the actions of the mob did not reflect America, he writes, I wished he were correct, but he wasn't. We are not a moral nation. We are lawless. We are not a nation that cultivates the kinds of families able to produce good citizens. Our institutions cannot be trusted to tell us the truth or advance the good. Our leaders think and live as if wrong means are justified by preferred ends. Our churches tickle ears and indulge narcissism. When people reach this level of vulnerability, frustration, desperation, either as individuals, as families, or as a nation, it is clear they are out of ideas. And I, I would apply this even going back to Antifa, Black Lives Matter, all the rioting, the looting, the burning we've witnessed across our country. It is simply a proclamation, we're out of ideas. Even more, the resources once found in various places within our culture to build new things or fix what's broken are largely depleted. The only way out of a long decline of decadence, punctuated as it is by noisy, scary moments like Wednesday, is either revolution or revival. He's right. What happened in our nation's capital on Wednesday was a declaration, it's a reminder, it's a confirmation that we as a nation were out of ideas. And we stand on the threshold as a nation. We're kind of at a fork in the road. We're gonna go down one of two paths as a nation either revolution or revival. Now, we know the Bible makes clear that it is God's heart, it is God's desire that we as a nation, as a people, as followers of God, it is his desire, his heart, that we experience revival. And I'm delighted to tell you, he is not out of ideas. As a matter of fact, he not only has a purpose, he has a plan. And interestingly, it's not a new plan. But it's proven 
It's a winning strategy that the church has successfully used for over the past 2,000 years. And we find God's plans, his purposes, his desire, his heart for the church in Matthew 28. And I, I quoted that earlier leading into the baptism this morning. And there Jesus said, he said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, these new disciples, to obey all the commands I have given you. Teaching them to obey. Whose, whose job is that? It's the church's job. That's your job, my job. We're here to teach those new disciples what it means to follow the commands that he has given to us. And so because of all that Jesus accomplished through his ministry here upon the earth, through his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his continued intercession for you and I, through all of that, he has been rightfully, divinely given all power and all authority from God the Father over everything both in the heavens and upon the earth. And part of the outflow of that authority that he has been given um, is the responsibility to the church to go and to make disciples and then to teach those disciples to obey or how to walk out everything that Jesus is commanding us. Now, discipleship, it is central. It is core to the mission of the church. It is the mandate. It, it is the way the church, one of the ways the church will triumph. Without it, the church ceases to be what the church was created to be. And once the church ceases to be what it was created to be, the nation will eventually cease to, to be what it was also created and purposed to be. This is partly what we're seeing play out across our nation today. The failure of the church to rise up and to take our responsibility of disciple-making seriously. And when we do that, it's going to have ramifications in every realm upon the earth. Paul says in Colossians 1.16, he says, for by him, and he's referring to Christ there. He says, by him, all things were created, both in the heavens and upon the earth, visible and invisible, what we can see, what we can't see. Whether those are thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So the institutions of governments and authorities, both whether those are in the heavenlies or those who are upon the earth, were created by and for, meaning he has a purpose for it, it's created by him and for him 
to accomplish in part his plans and his purposes both in the heavens and upon the earth. Human governments and authorities are included in part of what Paul is talking about there. Now, again, we're also reminded of what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 13, beginning there in verse 1. He says, every person, believer, unbeliever, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. He says, for there is no authority except from God. And again, you link that back to what I just just read. He's been given all authority. So there is no other authority except that that which comes from God and is established by God. So God establishes and he uses, he has a purpose and a plan for human government, for human authorities to execute his plans and purposes upon the earth. Now as my good friend Greg Baker from The Family Leader is very fond of saying, he says one of the primary roles of government is to reward good and to punish evil. One of the primary roles of government is to reward virtue and to punish lawlessness or evil. Now, government doesn't do this perfectly or consistently, do they? No. And neither would you or I if we were ever put in those positions. I believe God's desire, his heart for human government and human authority is to ultimately reflect and establish his power, his rule, his reign upon the earth. Again, we don't do that perfectly. What we strive for is we strive to do that faithfully. We strive to do that diligently. We try to be faithful in what God's called us to do. We, we will never do it perfectly. We're human. We strive to bring that into every arena, every area of life, not just in our politics. Now, we can argue the effectiveness of that, and that's probably best saved for another message. Now, I say all of this because if all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus, including, as Paul says, every, you know, dominion, throne, both visible, visible, that which is seen, that which is unseen, uh, then it tells me that human governments and human authority matter to God. It's important to him, and it ought to matter to us. It ought to be important to us. God has established governments and authorities upon the earth for our good, ultimately. Now, again, we work against him. We work against each other in that being fulfilled. But again, God's heart, his desire, his plans and purposes is that that, that human governments, human authority would be used to promote good, to promote peace upon the earth for our good, and for the good of all mankind. Now, our first and our foremost allegiance is to God and to his kingdom. Amen? Amen. So when the governing powers, authorities of this kingdom conflict 
with the governing powers and authorities of God's kingdom, we are called as disciples, as followers of Christ, we are called to submit to and to obey God's kingdom, his authority, his power. And we do that with as much of the fullness. Now, please hear me on this. We live this out in this kingdom. We live that out with as much of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 23, of his kingdom. So, for example, we have been given the right, the freedom, by this earthly kingdom, by the government, by the authorities, the, the Constitution, to protest things we disagree with. So, so we, we, we take that right in this kingdom, but we do that as a disciple, a follower of another king, another kingdom, and we do that filled with the peace of Christ in us. That, that's a fruit of the Spirit. We're doing the work of this kingdom empowered with the fruits of the spirit of that kingdom, and we walk that out. Again, this was basically the approach Martin Luther King Jr. took. Peacefully, the fruit of the spirit, peace, protesting the injustices, the inequalities of black Americans, and the result of what God was able to accomplish through that approach was evidenced through the civil rights movement. Now, where we've got to be careful is James 1.20 says that man's anger, it will never accomplish the righteousness of God. Never. When, when we get angry, we will not fulfill God's righteousness upon the earth. It's, it's impossible. It will work against everything, um, everything God is, everything, uh, he, you know, who he is. Uh, it, it all works against that. That's why Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Anger always fails. It never achieves its purpose. It never achieves the goal of God's righteousness. Love never fails. And again, love is a fruit of the Spirit. So we have the right of this kingdom. We have authority given to us through our governing constitution to freedom of speech. We can say what we believe. But as disciples, followers of Christ, we do that... We walk that out in this kingdom filled with the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control of that kingdom. I take the rights, the authority I've been given in this kingdom, and I unite them with the rights, the authority, the power that I have been given from his kingdom, and I reflect him. I reflect his plans, his purposes upon the earth. You and I, as disciples, part of what we do is we reflect the kingdom of God. We reflect the nature of God. We reflect, we say something about who God is 
through our actions, through our words. It may not be true, but we're reflecting something when we bear the name Christ follower. You and I represent the kingdom of God upon this earth. That is one of the roles, the responsibilities, the duties of a disciple, a follower of Christ. If we don't, who will? God has already given to us through his Holy Spirit all we need to fulfill our duties, our responsibilities in this kingdom and in his kingdom if we will simply just allow, surrender, and submit to his rule and reign in our lives. Again, this is part of the the, the training. This is part of the shaping, the walking out of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't forsake this kingdom. We don't despise this kingdom. We don't neglect this kingdom. Rather, we work together, Paul says, as co-laborers with Christ, filled with his spirit to bring his kingdom to this kingdom, to reflect him that we might live together in peace. Micah 6, 8, Old Testament says this, God has shown you, O man, and this is, a, again, a neutral term, so you could say, O woman, O people, uh, God has shown you what is good, and what does Yahweh require of us? That's a good question, isn't it? Unfortunately, Micah goes on to answer that, and he says, but to do justice, and, and what he means there is to live justly, to pursue justice, not just for us, but for others that are experiencing injustice. And that's what, again, what Martin Luther King Jr. did. He pursued justice, not just for himself, but for all black Americans. So, so Mike is saying, we, we, want to, uh, we want to do justice. We want to do justly. We want to live justly. And then he says, and to love mercy. And then to walk humbly with our God. Right now, we're, we're, we live that out in this kingdom. And again, do any of us do that perfectly? No. But again, we want to strive to be faithful, to be as consistent as we can, to be faithful in doing that. So again, a disciple is simply someone who finds, who follows, is becoming more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So that's a very, very basic, very simple description of what a disciple is. It's someone who finds and follows Jesus Christ. They get to know him. They're they're transformed. I love that word that Bruce brought last week. He kind of just said, you know, it kind of felt like the the word the Lord gave him uh, coming into this new year is is transformation. I feel like the word God's given me is discipleship. And and there's there's a beautiful harmony between between transformation and discipleship. Because that's what God wants to do as a disciple is he wants to transform us, to change us, to make us more and more and more into the image of Christ. And that is a process. It is a lifelong journey. And and so as Bruce talked about last week, we're all in this together. I learn from you. You learn from me. I grow from the things you experience. You grow from the things I experience. There's just this sharing of life together. 
The challenge when it comes to the church is we find ourselves all too many times in two camps. And that is we're, we're either fans of Jesus or we're followers of Jesus. Now, again, a, a disciple of Jesus, it requires us, you know, you may be following, you may be interested in Jesus, he may fascinate you, you may be curious about Jesus, but maybe you're an unbeliever, and, and you're kind of just curious, you're wondering, you're kind of maybe amazed at this man. And, and so maybe you're a fan of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus is someone who's gone from just being a fan of Jesus to really being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. In other words, they're committed to pursuing him in such a way that that transformation, that, that you're being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. And again, that is the challenge that is before every one of us, myself included. It is the challenge that has always been before the church of every generation. Now, one of the ways we've been striving to really uh, walk this out here is through the, the strategic discipleship ministry we started here last fall. As a matter of fact, uh, we just finished the first half of year one this past December. We had two groups. Um, and they're, they're currently meeting, and, and uh, uh, I think this past week and then into this coming week, the, the two groups will reconvene, and they'll start into the second half of year one where we're going to be talking about the life of Jesus. So for those of you not familiar with the strategic discipleship model, let me just quickly outline what that looks like. There's a more complete description uh, in the bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin, I know there are some brochures out on the welcome table, um, and, and we would love to get you a, a brochure so you can learn a little bit more about this. Now, the Strategic Discipleship Ministry is a four-year kind of uh, phase, and it is designed to be done in a small group environment. Now, one of the things that we have found very challenging for the church this last year is, you know, when, when we were not able to meet together uh, in, in a large group was to find ways that we could meet together in small groups. I don't know what the new year is going to hold in terms of, you know, the coronavirus. Are there other things that are going to come down the pike? You know, is, is the new president going to have something different that would require the churches, you know, to have to look at other alternatives? So if we would need to, to go to a a small group model for a while, this is kind of set up in a way that allows us uh, to be able to do that. The small group environment also, it kind of cultivate, it encourages kind of opportunities to kind of dialogue, ask questions, you know, have discussions kind of at a, at a deeper level. And it's really kind of formulated uh, to be able to also develop deeper relationships with one another. That's one of the challenges we've had this year. It, it, we just feel disconnected from people. You know, we kind of come here on Sunday mornings, we do our thing, and then we're, we're, we're gone and we don't see each other till the following Sunday. So one of the things that this does is it helps us to kind of in that small group environment get to know one another a little better. Now, the first year phase is divided into two sections. The first section is called foundations, and it deals with the foundations of the Christian faith. And it's more kind of like a basic introduction to the Christian faith. And, and foundations, uh, it kind of looks at topics or issues such as who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, what is the Bible, 
uh, basic topics like that. Now, one of the unique things and one of the things I really love about the Strategic Discipleship Program is this first 14 weeks, this foundations class, we offer that first half uh, twice a year. So, for example, the two groups that started this past December, they've completed that. Those groups will now go on to the second half, study in the life of Christ. But tonight, um, we are starting a new round of the foundations class. What we just finished, we're going to offer another class and go through the same 14 weeks together with a new uh, class. The goal is to offer this class twice a year along with the spiritual gifts um, and membership classes. Now, let me tell you why I believe this first class, Foundations, is important for everyone, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey. If you are not a believer, this foundation class, it gives you the opportunity in a non-threatening environment to explore, to look at, to ask questions that may help you in making a decision or taking that next step in following Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're here and you're, you're a brand new believer or, or you're coming back to the church having been away for a, a while, again, it gives you the chance to explore, to learn, to go deeper, to ask questions that may help you understand the Christian faith in, in, a, in a deeper, stronger way. It, it may give you a stronger foundation going forward so that, that you're not going backwards, that you're not you know, feeling like you know, you, you, you've forsaken God or something. It gives you an opportunity to reestablish, to build that foundation stronger than it was before. It's also an opportunity for you to be able to help other people in the group grow as well. What, what God is teaching you, uh, it, it may be something that he wants to use you to teach others in the group. Uh, what others in the group are learning can be very instrumental in helping you uh, growing in your faith in Christ. Now, um, for those of you that have been a believer for a long time, time. This foundations class, it gives you an opportunity to go deeper as well in the basics of the Christian faith. So when we talk about who God is, could you just stand up or just raise your hand if you know everything there is to know about God? We just want to recognize you this morning. Anybody? Anybody here know everything there is to know about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the Word of God? No. We are on a journey as well. We are going, the Scripture says, from glory to glory. And again, we do that when we're intentional. We do that when we're in community with other people. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So sometimes I grow in my faith and understanding of who God is when you share with me what God has shown you about who he is, how he works. I don't know it all. That's the part of walking humbly with God. 
technology, we don't know it all. We got a lot to learn. We got a long ways to go. And God's given us this great community to do that in. So I just want to encourage those of you who, who maybe think that you're too smart, too spiritual, to think about the foundations class. Don't do it for you. Do it maybe for somebody that God wants to use you to be a mentor, to encourage. Maybe those in that class that aren't as far along as you. And I'm not saying come in the group and be arrogant. I'm saying come in the group, walk humbly with God and see how he might use you in that group with other people. I told you, Lori, we weren't going to get through all this this morning. The mandate that Jesus, I'm going to close with this. The mandate Jesus gives the church in Matthew 28 is to make disciples, not converts. Converts are important. Don't, don't misunderstand that. Converts are critical. They are crucial. But Jesus never called us to make converts. He calls us to make disciples. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, was fond of saying the church changes the world not by making converts, but by making disciples. Many people are fans of Jesus, but very few actually go on to become followers or fully devoted, committed disciples of Jesus. John 6, 66 references that there were a lot of fans of Jesus. They were listening to what Jesus said. They maybe kind of admired him, considered following him, but very few of them committed to following him at all cost. And as I have said these past couple of weeks, there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost saying yes to Jesus. So here's my challenge. Tonight, we're going to be starting another new round of foundations, basic introduction to the Christian faith. Tonight, we're going to start looking at who is God, part A. We'll look at part B. There should probably be, you know, part Z, uh, but you got to stop somewhere, right? We've got some openings. I would love to be able to have such a response this morning that we've got to figure out ways to start a couple more classes this week. I believe the church is going to need each other in ways we've never really depended on each other in the past as we go forward. And I can think of nothing better than to be able to have a community, a group of people that know you, you know them, where you're able to come together to learn, to grow, to encourage, to pray for each other, especially during very, very difficult times. And it doesn't just have to be difficult times the world's going through. Some of you are going through personal difficulties that have nothing to do maybe with what's going on in the world today. We're all affected by very, very different things. 
Sometimes we're all affected by common things, but oftentimes we can be affected, again, just by individual, personal things. It's just great to be able to know you've got a group of people who know you, love you, committed to you, and it, and it takes disciples to make disciples. It's not up to the unbeliever to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's up to the disciples to make disciples. And if the disciples... The followers of Christ aren't interested. What are we doing here? What's the point of the church? So my goal this morning is to begin to try to eliminate some of the excuses some of you are hiding behind as to why you're saying, I don't want to get involved in this strategic discipleship because I already know it. And that is not walking humbly with God. And it's probably a sign all the more that you need to be in there. Because there's something you're missing if that is your attitude. So Janie is going to be out there this morning. Um, we're, we'll, we'll fill up what we've got, what we've got, what we're able to offer. And if there are others of you this morning that want to get tied into a group. I, I shouldn't say that word tied into it. It just kind of sounds like bondage, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> invited into uh, a group, uh, we want to be able to get your name, and then we're going we're gonna to see what we can do to try to, to come up with a class um, to really get this started. Like I said, it's a four-year process. We're not asking you to commit to all four years this morning. We're just asking you to commit to the first 14 weeks. Try it, you know, like a shoe. Try it. See how it fits. See how it feels. I think it's going to be good. I think you're going to find it fits great, feels great. It's going to help you walk uh, better. Uh, so I just encourage you this morning, um, following this, you can see me, you can see Janie, um, you know, uh, Dan and Neva are teaching classes. You can, you know, if you've got more questions, uh, come talk to us. Uh, those of you that are, are currently in the discipleship program, just stand up or raise your hand, yeah, so that people can kind of see who are they. Okay, so talk to any of these people. Um, and they should be able to kind of give you an idea of, of what this is uh, all about. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've done here this morning. And God, as Paul says, Lord, for the things that we can see and the things that we can't see. We believe, God, that you have moved in invisible and, and in unknown, undetectable ways this morning, as well as in the, in the known, in the detectable ways, God, we, we have seen and we have felt your power, your presence this morning. But God, we also thank you, Lord, for those ways that you're, you're moving unseen, undetected. As that, as that song said, you know, we, we see you, God, working and we, we believe you're working even when we can't see it, that you are always at work. And Father, we thank you for that. Father, you are always at work in our lives individually, in our, in our corporate body, that God, you're always working, always moving, always doing something 
to move us, to bring us, to make us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I, I pray this morning, Father, that your Holy Spirit would begin to, to make a call upon this congregation, Lord, as disciples, as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ this morning. Father, that we would, that we would purpose, that we would declare in our hearts and our lives this morning that we want to go deeper. We want to follow you more passionately. We want to be conformed more and more into the image of your son. This is what it means to walk humbly, to love mercy. We ask for your mercy upon us, upon this church. We ask for your mercy upon this country. We thank you that all power and authority has been given to your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father, that all things have been created by him and for him. And Father, we ask, Lord, that you would be glorified, that you would bring glory, that you would cause all these things to work together for good. And we believe you are. And we join you in that, that we want to be co-workers that we want to walk in this kingdom empowered by your kingdom. And we do that as followers, as disciples of Jesus. Let us reflect you in all that we say, in all that we do, Father, that we want to reflect you. We want to represent you. And so, Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would come, speak to us, move us. Take us, as the scripture says, from one degree of glory to the next, to the greater, the deeper glory. Let that be our heart's cry this morning. And Father, we just again thank you. That Jesus said, that very end there at Matthew, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you orphaned. And Father, we thank you that we have, again, the body, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to remind us that you are with us. You are for us. And Father, as we take communion this morning, Father, again, we are reminded of your commitment to us, that commitment to death. You went to the death for us to show your incredible love and your commitment to us that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. And Father, we thank you for that. And we celebrate that. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said, amen. So as we kind of close it. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.
For this list and more information about Faith Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at faithcc.org.